0: This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. And welcome to the podcast that is all about the top legal stories of the week. Uh, too Many Lawyers, as the name implies, uh, suggests we've got too many attorneys, judges, legislators, and of course, everybody agrees on that. Of course, everyone disagrees about what the solution is. Who the bad ones are. Is, right, yeah, exactly. Who, who, the, Why who,
1: do we have too many lawyers? Who should be fired? Why is our political system so yeah. messed up? Why is our legal system That's so a, messed up? Why are there so many lawyers running around,
0: screwing up? everything up and we because law school is not as expensive as it should be maybe (laughs) that's one solution yeah absolutely thank god at least bernie sanders only wants junior college free he doesn't want the first year of law school what a nightmare that that
1: would be imagine more people with more legal indoctrination sorry in education
0: so who so who are uh, we, well, uh, I am a legal analyst and a lawyer. Connor is the same thing, but that's where the similarity ends. I'm a baby boomer and libertarian, and Connor is a millennial and a progressive. And so that's filthy communist. You could say filthy communist. I, I know want, that's. I don't want to say that. It. This Thank is you. a family that's show, nice so I don't want to say. utter that expression. <laughs> <laughs> So as usual, we're going to get into three top stories, uh, plus a few miscellaneous items. The top stories are uh, the abortion case to be heard by the U.S. Supreme Court. They've announced uh, there will be an oral argument on December 1 of this year on the Mississippi uh, statute, the challenge to uh, abortion rights. And so the question is, is this the end of Roe versus Wade just over the hill? Secondly, we're going to talk about uh, the Theranos trial up in San Jose. Elizabeth Holmes is on trial as the CEO of Theranos. Remember, they had the uh, technology that supposedly could tell you if you had any of 200 conditions from a single drop of blood from a finger prick, and turned out it didn't work that well. We're going to put her fans on the couch, because there seem to be some uh, really eccentric folks gathering around. Out of the woodwork. Yeah, the courthouse. And finally, we're going to talk about the Gabrielle Petito case, Sounds like the case is kind of half solved. Uh, It appears that her body has been recovered. Uh, Her fiancé, boyfriend, uh, whatever he was, is kind of on the lam. We're going to talk about whether racism is responsible for the fact that we are chatting about this attractive young white woman, Gabrielle. We're also going to get into the Guess the Verdict uh, mode at the end of the show. As always, Connor is going to be presented with some unusual facts about a court case, and he's going to guess who wins and who loses. To give you a little idea, this is about, Connor, a funeral home with Mm -hmm. the world's worst marketing plan. Mm. That's what we're going to talk about on the Guess the Verdict segment. So before we get to the issue of the abortion case before the Supreme Court, This week, uh, Bob Woodward's book uh, is like I know him personally. Yeah, Bob Woodward. Yeah, my
1: buddy Bob. Yeah,
0: he's uh, come out with his umpteenth book, and it's called Peril, and it's all about the last uh, year or two of the Trump administration and the, of course, controversial election. Uh, And I just wanted to give my kind of quick mini review and also my pet peeve. You know, the big bombshell Connor, about the book was uh, general Milley who was head joint chiefs chair, uh, had called up the Chinese communist counterpart and said, Hey pal, don't worry. You know, it looks kind of weird over here, but I know you're kind of concerned on high alert. Don't worry. We're not going to attack you. If we do attack you, I'm going to give you a heads up. So just relax, you know, don't do anything preemptive and so on. Some folks, and we talked about this last week uh, are saying, Oh, Oh, okay, well, let's just put General Milley on trial for uh, treason. Uh, but here's, here's a, sort of a pet peeve thing I have about this book. Uh, Trump's top pollster uh, in mid two, uh, 2020, right before the election, sent a memo, Connor, to the campaign manager for Trump. And in the memo, he argued for a more strenuous attack on Biden. They were laying off of him. All Trump could talk about was the pandemic and the economy and so on. But why not attack Biden, he said. And so here were his words. He said, the only thing that can save us without an attack on Biden is if Biden literally implodes. He literally Literally implodes. I know where
1: this is going. Yeah,
0: you know where this is going. I looked it up, Connor. Because implode, that's a fancy word. It is. Here's the definition. And you tell me, how could Biden have imploded? Okay, you're a smart guy. I'm ready. Here's the definition. Implosion is a process in which objects are destroyed by collapsing or being squeezed in on themselves. The opposite of explosion is explosion. That expands the volume. Uh, So implosion reduces the volume occupied. And concentrates matter so and energy. if
1: Joe Biden were to uh, eat a sandwich and yeah. consume accidentally from the sandwich. And I'm sure he's sm- done that many times. A small black hole. Which would then (laughs) cause him to implode, uh, sucking the matter that forms his body
0: uh, inwards uh, in a destructive uh, implosion. Would you like to explain to me how it is, in what world, in what universe, in what uh, reality could Joe Biden consume a black hole? It would be very unlikely. So what you you came up with is a pretty unlikely unlikely hypothetical. Unlikely doesn't mean impossible. You know, the, I, I just, it's my pet peeve. Your I'm pet peeve. S- I'm sorry, the but I just The use the word literally. Yeah, I wouldn't, I would rather they not use the word literally because I just don't see Joe Biden imploding.
1: I welcome any evolution of our uh, vernacular. I would like there to be new words and new definitions for words every year. Roll it out like new Marvel movies. I just want the new edition of Noah's, uh, Noah Webster's dictionary to just blow my mind
0: every single day. That would be fun. Oh, Other than the implosion problem with the book, I thought Bob Woodward's book in part was kind of a disappointment. It was sort of a superficial scattershot uh, summary of the Mm -hmm. events. I've read about a half a dozen books about the campaign and the election. And in large part, the book just rehashes stuff. It's like oh, oh boy, we've got the juicy General Milley headline. Right. That's going to sell the books. It's going to get us on TV. And he did make a comeback in like the last quarter of the book. He really got into some, some good analysis about, you know, the craziness on January 6th. But yeah. in general, it was like a Cliff's Notes version mm. of, of the campaign. The other problem I had is it was a love letter to Joe Biden. I mean, it makes him sound like the love child of Dr. Albert Schweitzer and Mother Teresa. He's aggressively quizzing Dr doctors about COVID. He's, uh-huh. he's got this amazing you know, medical uh, acumen. You know, he's reassuring families about the lost fam- I mean, it really is over the top. Remi- or,
1: or is it just that by contrast to Trump, anybody looks like a master politician? Well,
0: it's a pretty dramatic contrast. You're right. But it reminded me of the old Saturday Night Live skit about Ronald Reagan mm-hmm. when Phil Hartman played him. I don't know if you remember it. The, the concept was... Oh, yeah, it was negative seven. I remember. Yes. So you're in, the, uh, you're in the... Well, you remember World War I. Won, right i mean you know who Shockingly won i don't but but i know what you mean yes okay. absolutely so um ronald reagan played by phil hartman is in the oval office and he's meeting girl scouts and and you know they're saying oh these cookies are good mr president yes i think they're good too oh hi reagan. thanks for coming into the oval that's office. really good uh, bye-bye now so the, the minute the door closes he starts yelling all right, everybody get in here. I want the, the radar on Iran. I want the, I want you to bug the Russian premier. I want you to get boots on the ground in Nicaragua. Do it now, now, now. <laughs> nice. And it's a total turnaround, and it Phil was a Hartman. very
1: funny skit. Phil Hartman's so good.
0: Yeah, well, so this is what Biden sounds like if you read Bob Woodward's yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, is the second, you know, 2.0 for Reagan. Yeah. Like, he's in total charge. Well, maybe oh, shucks, he was in total Biden charge. Biden in public, and then behind yeah, well, closed doors he changes? I don't think when so. When he gets up in his pref- press conferences now, I'm not one of these people who says he ought to be, you know, hospitalized for dementia. But what we all see him stand up there fiddling with his three by five cards and he says, uh, what am I? Or now, what am I supposed to? I, I'm supposed to call on uh, uh, Elizabeth, uh, ter, ter, Terwilliger? Williger. You know he does better than I would do. I'll say that. I'm not sure that's about pretty, that. You have impressive. comedy sports experience. So that's you, true. Got the some... improv comedy
1: does help you in, uh, on your feet, but only uh, if, if you're uh, able to end the press conference on, on a good joke. If you can land a good joke and then sort of like dance out sideways, tipping your hat to the crowd, yeah, the no presence, one to quit. They've got to stick around answer question after question the jokes don't they just don't land the same unless you can flee
0: so moving from the uh, ridiculous to the sublime yeah <clears throat> let's talk about abortion uh, there's going to be a case heard by the supreme court in on december 1 and the question is is this either the end of roe versus wade right or and or the end of the republicans chances to take the government back uh, at least to uh, house and senate in the midterms because is it going to galvanize opposition hmm. to the republicans now We've been focusing, Connor, as you know, on Texas the last few weeks because they came up with this wacky, ridiculous, let's weaponize lawsuits uh, statute that said anybody, well, deputized you know, lifelong resident of Antarctica, right. who's never heard of Texas right. or the mayor of Houston or anyone on the planet yeah. may sue the Uber driver taking a woman to the abortion clinic yeah. or the receptionist at yeah. the abortion clinic or the doctor, anybody associated with abortion. Oh, you're sued and I get $10,000 mm-hmm. for, for, finding you and turning you in. A it's bounty a bounty hunter. thing, yeah. plus my attorney's fees. And all you have to do is prove that, oh my gosh, uh, they were involved somehow in an abortion yeah. after the fetal heart beat is detected at six weeks, yeah. which of course is totally contrary to Roe versus Wade. Right. And the clever people who drafted the statute realized it would be instantly struck down if as in a normal statute, they you know are, are appointing the DA and the governor to enforce the law. Instead, right. they, they explicitly said, no, we're not doing that. We're just giving people a right of action. We're creating a lawsuit. So if anybody up in Antarctica is objecting to a Midland, Texas abortion, yeah. they may sue. Right. So we've been focusing on that. But meantime, on the outside, coming up fast, are the Mississippi restrictions on abortion. Fantastic. So on September 20, Supreme Court said, we're going to hear the arguments on that. A decision will be due by June of next year, about five months before the midterms. So... Let's look at the facts of the Mississippi case. Mississippi uh, banned all abortions after 15 weeks. Mm -hmm. The idea is if the fetus is viable and Mississippi says that's 15 weeks or about three and a half months, it's barely into the second trimester when women have traditionally had a right now for decades to an abortion without undue restrictions by the states uh, prior uh, to the concept of viability. Right. Uh, So... on May in May uh, 2021, mm-hmm. that's when Supreme Court agreed to hear this case. And so the question is: Will the court expand the scope of permissible restrictions on abortion? Will it toss Roe versus Wade and say it's totally up to the states, or will it actually say, "Hey, abortion is murder"? Thanks for asking. That's our decision. Yeah. You you've got your crystal ball there, Connor. I what do, do you actually. see? Uh, I'm holding a paperweight that looks kind of like a crystal ball. It does. So let me just yeah, gaze into this palantir. It's, it's the globe, actually. Yeah, it is. True. Uh, do you anticipate that the Supreme Court, as presently constituted, and we've got to assume it's going to be the same nine justices, in, right? In uh, May or June, uh, 2022, uh, do you think that they're going to uh, they're going to go for door A, B, or C on? I think on it's door options? B.
1: I think it's door B. I think that there the the, the conservative playbook has been uh, Uh, for a long time now um, at the the Supreme Court to default to procedural rules, jurisdictional issues, and throwing it to the states um, is a good way for them to undermine Roe v. Wade and and Planned Parenthood v. Casey from the 90s um, by saying, well, you know, this isn't really, uh, basically, this isn't really a constitutional issue at all. Um, It might be an important right, but it There is, you know, this complicated notion that privacy rights come from, uh, you know, the penumbras and emanations of other rights that are actually codified because the Bill of Rights and the other amendments don't say the word privacy and abortion rights come out of privacy, which is itself. Also inferred from other rights, famously uh, that quote penumbras and emanations of another right, and, and so it's it's attenuated, and that of course I think is is the easy way for the conservative majority, supermajority on the court of six three majority to undermine uh, this. I don't think it'll be six three. I think it'll be five four. I don't think uh, um, the chief justice wants it uh, to be his legacy uh, to overturn Roe v Wade. I think he'd like to um, the, like to be the the lone voice against. But I think that the new justices will uh, get on board with this sort of thing. I don't know if it's going to be this case in Mississippi. I don't know if it's going to be this moment. But I, I would say that it's much more likely that they do it this way: throw it back to the states and thus sideways undermine the the basis of Planned Parenthood v. Casey and Roe v. Wade. The idea that it comes from a, a privacy right, which is a mandatory, you know, part of the Bill of Rights as a constitutional right. I think it, that's more likely. And I think, you know them sticking their necks out and saying abortion is murder when the minority of americans uh, support that that would probably be in their mind a bridge too far and embolden the pack the court people or rather the unpack the court people because the liberals attitude is that the court has already been packed by people like mitch mcconnell and and every and donald trump who who undemocratically jammed through blocked Democratic nominations and jammed through Republican nominations. And now we have a 6-3 majority uh, conservative court in a very much not conservative majority country. So they're well, going to say this is uh, if 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 they tried to you know blow up Planned put Parenthood v. Casey and Roe v. Wade completely and say, uh, abortion is murder period, uh, viability doesn't matter, uh, you know, life begins at conception or life begins at heartbeat, which is effectively the same thing. Uh, life begins frequently before women even know that they are pregnant, right? Life begins at six weeks. Well, okay, that means your, your period's two weeks late and, you know, more than half of women fluctuate their, you know, period schedules you know, by multiple weeks. So great. Fantastic. And most people don't even know they're pregnant yet and boom, you can't get an abortion. The real question in my mind, and not to, you know, cut you off and keep ranting and never let you get anywhere, word is edgewise, is... It's wh- okay. We can just edit out the part where you talk. We edit a lot of me out on this pod, I think. I'm pretty sure. Um, somebody has called and said, I listened to the podcast, and you weren't even on it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was elevator music during the time you were talking, and I like elevator music, so keep it up, Royal and Connor.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm interested to hear what you think about the impact of... Um, uh, mail-order-available-prescription-abortificant-medications. These are, you know, uh, have accounted for almost 40% of abortions that have been performed in the United States since 2017. Almost half of uh, the abortion, between a third and half of uh, abortions are now performed. Morning-after pill? No, safely at home, not the morning-after pill at all, but just... Uh, a pill that causes you to abort. Okay, and this is a pill that, in uh, that, that lots of studies have shown, can be administered safely at home without any sort of supervision, and has an extremely low risk of complication, lower than many other uh, pills that we, you know, ship. So, what's to the legal homes.
0: status of this
1: pill? Well, Are... it, it's it's legal. Uh, there is a a a very uh, important uh, bill uh, that just actually passed in uh, in Texas. Shocker! Texas is the battleground for this. Um, Two days ago, Governor Abbott signed a bill into law that limited the medication that causes an abortion, uh, the usage of it, uh, to after seven weeks. It's it's not allowed. So basically, he's doubling down on this mark of you know uh, of of heartbeat.
0: So, uh, from a legal standpoint, what's the difference between this? pill that you take that gives yourself an abortion and going to the doctor at the clinic and getting an abortion.
1: Yeah, there is no legal difference between it. And uh, Governor Abbott's new bill of this week says you can't administer it after seven weeks and you can't send it through the mail at any point for any reason, because who knows what people could do.
0: Presumably, won't the court's decision, whatever it is, essentially apply both to hey, the doctor gave you an abortion in the clinic, or you gave yourself an abortion through a pill?
1: Yes, I. I it, it should. There's there's no reason, there's no medical difference between those other than, uh, you know, the the dangers that come with the, the procedure uh, of, of performing the abortion. Complications but, or yeah, infections or whatever. But in reality, abortion is actually a very safe medical procedure compared to other medical procedures, and a lot of the doom and womb and fear-mongering about the complications and dangers that come from abortions, procedures, is really— you Know, engineered to, to stop abortions, to frighten people out of getting them, to convince people that laws that restrict access to abortion via saying, well, you've got to have a certain number of physicians and they have to have admitting privileges at nearby hospitals in case something wrong- goes wrong. So you can send them from a women's health clinic to the hospital if there's a complication mid-surgery or all this stuff. Those are generally understood to be unnecessary on the left. Like People think these are unnecessary restrictions on access to abortion, and they're used just to basically lower the amount of abortions that are performed and lower the amount of clinics and doctors that can perform them. Mm-hmm. And so that really, I mean, it lines up with the notion that you can actually just do it at home with a pill yeah. a lot of the time.
0: Well, you know, I'm, my guess is that the courts will treat all these methods the same, but I guess I could also see some people who oppose abortion trying to create some sort of distinction and saying, well, maybe we can't stop uh, the uh, a certain procedure, but at least we'll be able to stop, you know, the, the, the pills or whatever. Who, who knows? It yeah. may, it may I mean, come to that.
1: In my mind, I think that Once the these pills become widely available and widely understood to be safe and cheap and, you know, delivered quickly as everything is delivered quickly nowadays to people privately, there will be much it will be much more difficult for conservatives to sort of gear up and and gin up anti abortion sentiment because. The notion of this whole thing is like a procedure. You go to a clinic and there's this evil abortion doctor who's like the bad guy, the villain. It it, it all it all helps, I think, create that narrative. If 95 percent of abortions were performed at home via pill in private, you don't have the, the same, you know, public issue, and I think a lot of uh, the more people have, have that sort of thing uh, in their lives, people they know uh, get access to these drugs or they use the drugs themselves, they will understand more about, wow, yeah,
0: this really is, I guess, like yeah. a personal medical decision. Well, you may be right make. about that, but let's get back to your thoughts about abortion uh, overall and what the court is going mm-hmm. to do. Um, I there's good news and there's bad news, okay. Connor. the yeah. the The bad news is you're wrong. Okay, great. I would um, love to be
1: wrong because I don't
0: want abortion to be and uh, made good, illegal. And the good news is you're wrong. Ah, so, you see how it works. Yeah, yeah. So when we come back, I'm going to explain why Connor was wrong. Oh, you can't and, cliffhanger. And there uh, is good news and bad news, but first, Connor's going to let you know how you're going to rate and subscribe to Too Many Lawyers. Yeah, use use whatever podcast platform you use to get us. That would probably be. Apple Podcasts,
1: uh, but it might be Stitcher or Spotify or Podcast Addict or any other you know way that you get us uh, the Revolver website. Um, Check us out on those platforms and leave us a little review or a star and make sure to hit those a star you know, rating and hit that subscribe button because we really appreciate it. It means you get the episodes every single week that we do every single week in your little inbox, your podcast inbox, and you don't have to go remember to download them. And every review that we get,
0: we read. Every star rating uh, that you leave us, we appreciate and it really helps. Are you demeaning our listeners' inboxes by referring to them as little? I would never do that uh and See, that's how, something we could take out we could edit that you word should out. Edit that, and, edit. plus this exchange right when now. we
1: start ever editing these episodes in any way that will be the first place we go that and get rid of all of my uh
0: breathy tones good,
1: good into the point microphone. good
0: point the shreddy balls uh we'll be right back This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Conor Oaks. We're talking about the United States Supreme Court uh, announcing this week that they will take up the Mississippi abortion restrictions. And the hearing will be December 1, oral argument before the Supreme Court. And that means we're going to get a decision probably in the very last day of June next year. What do you know? Five months before the midterms. Mm-hmm. And could that possibly have an impact on yeah. the midterm elections when the Republicans of are course. desperately going to try to uh, recapture control of at least one of the halves of Congress? So here's why Connor is wrong when he is pessimistic about what this conservative court might do. Uh, let's take it scientifically. Uh, we know who's going to be in favor of Roe versus Wade, of uh, four justices, yeah. Sotomayor, Kagan, and Breyer, the three liberals, plus Chief Justice Roberts. I cannot imagine that he's going to suddenly turn his back on his new pals on the left, on yeah, the court. probably So not. I think uh, four people are going to support Roe versus Wade. That means to strike it down or really water it down, you got to have all five of the other folks. So Let's look at who they are. First of all, we've got Amy Coney Barrett. She didn't have a track record on the Supreme Court. People suspect she's really secretly stealth person, of uh, uh, Roe. Let's assume that's right. Yeah. Now we go to Thomas and Alito. Well, Thomas has said the 14th Amendment does not support the interpretation that the Constitution protects a right to abort. So we know where Clarence Thomas is coming from. Yeah,
1: he's coming from where I was uh, describing the idea that you'd throw it back to controlled by the states because it's not really a constitutional right.
0: Yeah. Or who knows? Maybe he'll uh, go crazy. Go wild and say abortion it. is murder, yeah. and uh, now I'm retiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we go to Alito. Uh, he said, in connection with the Texas case that recently uh, the Supreme Court turned it down, uh, taking it up, Alito said the abortion right is used like a bulldozer to flatten legal rules that stand in the way. Mm. I'm willing to grant you that one. Let's, let's say Alito is going to join Thomas and maybe Amy Coney Barrett. And so now we've got three. Now we come down to the final two justices. And so if both justices go with the conservatives, then Roe versus Wade is history. Right. But if even one of them sticks with the liberals and Chief Justice Roberts, then happy days are here again. So let's look at the two of them, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, specifically what did they say about the the Texas case that just came up. Well Gorsuch Gorsuch said that the court in the Texas case should have given more deference to Texas's rationale for a restriction. So that was sort of a weaselly way of of coming out and striking the middle ground. He didn't come out and say, like Clarence Thomas, hey, what don't you understand about Roe versus uh, Wade being unconstitutional? I think what he was just trying to say is, hey, let's give a careful look at what these states are trying to do. And that's what the Supreme Court has been doing for years and years in Louisiana and other cases. Yeah. is this an unreasonable, this unnecessary a, yeah, restriction? undue restriction on a do woman's Do you need ride? to have admitting privileges yeah. at a nearby hospital or whatever? So I don't think this is evidence that Gorsuch is going to join the conservatives. Now we finally come down To Kavanaugh. He said in the Texas case that, in fact, we really need to find more evidence to determine the impacts on abortion access if the Texas law had been enforced. Once again, it's pragmatic. It's, oh, you know, let's look at the right. the, the real world. approach. What it boils down to is, are both Gorsuch and Kavanaugh willing to reap the whirlwind and be known for all time and have it on their, their headstone as they killed Roe versus Wade? And I'm just not convinced that that's who these guys are, especially when, as we saw with David Souter, appointed by Bush, turned out to be one of the most liberal members of the Supreme Court, the farther you get, the further you get uh, from your appointment and you're mm-hmm. being, you know, yoked philosophically to the president who appointed you, the right. more independent you get. Yeah, but so. these guys are brand new.
1: I mean, we've got Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and Barrett who are all brand new, so even by that logic, they're not Relatively they're still
0: new. I mean, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh have been around a few yeah, years now.
1: They're still yoked in in my in my view, they're still yoked to their conservatism. And I mean, I mean, I think Clarence Thomas is a great example. Clarence Thomas famously said, The liberals made my life hell for 43 years, so I'm gonna be on this court for 43 years and make their lives hell. I think that's the Kavanaugh attitude as well. I don't think it's
0: an exact quote. It uh, is.
1: It is. Make make my life self for forty three years. I'll, I'll return the favor for forty three more. That that's an, an exact quote. I don't know. The, the, the yeah, trend. but I don't think
0: there was an exclamation point. You it included point. one of those. It's a good
1: point. This is. I mean, I I think that Kavanaugh's the same kind of guy. He's cut from the same cloth. I mean, this is a, a guy who gets up there and 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 had to go through this oh, traumatic experience of screaming about how much he loved beer because he was confronted with his uh, um the. Uh, 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 misdeeds in the past. Um, this is a guy who feels that the liberals have wronged him and he's angry and he's bitter and he will hurt them if possible. Now, Gorsuch doesn't have that. Gorsuch went through a much more um, d- demure process, a much calmer uh, uh, process. I think that Gorsuch, as a result of that is, um, I think that he is the the liberals last hope. And, and that's a horrifying thought, But but I think it is
0: let's switch gears and t- go to topic two connor elizabeth holmes yeah there let's, it is. let's put her fans on the couch give you a little background if you're not obsessed with the case the way some women wearing black turtlenecks are obsessed <laughs> so elizabeth holmes was a sophomore at stanford uh 20 years or so ago and maybe a little less than that and she drops out why does she drop out well she gets a patent on a plan to miniaturize blood analysis and so she starts a company called Theranos. And before long, my goodness, uh, she has raised uh, almost a billion dollars. The market valuation, market cap of uh, the company is $9 billion. She personally is worth $4.5 billion. Not what bad. is the company? Well, it says, uh, folks, uh, p- uh, citizens of planet Earth, great news. You don't have to have somebody stick a vein in your, your uh, or, or a needle in your vein in your arm and extract tube after tube of blood to. Right. Right, to figure out what's wrong with you and study the blood. If you let me prick your finger and get me give me one drop of blood, I will tell you if you have two hundred conditions, cancer, HIV, high cholesterol, anger management, whatever. That- and that's her system. She gets Henry Kissinger and George Shultz, former secretaries of state on her board. She gets Mad Dog Mattis, the secretary of defense under Trump on her board. She gets Senator Frist, the the physician on her board, and allegedly she fools them all. Apparently it's all a big goof that in fact you can't figure out whether you have these conditions. And so she gets you sued. need a lot more blood than that.
1: And yeah. that means invasive blood drawing and that's it's right. expensive and difficult and uncomfortable and har- and people not everybody with every condition condition can give you a lot of blood to take and test. And it takes a lot of time. And she comes up with this idea and says, oh, I can do all this. Uh, and she was really just doing traditional blood analysis in the background and
0: lying. In the back room, yeah. In the back room. <laughs> With a different machine. With the pipette. So she gets studied and she settles the cases. She gets um, hauled into court by the SEC on civil charges and that gets settled. Uh, it's bankrupt. The company's dissolved. But now, the day of reckoning, she and her former boyfriend, the chief operating officer, uh, Mr. Balwani, are both going to trial on fraud charges, separate trials. Hers started very Very recently, he is his next year. Uh, The trial has started out and pretty well for the prosecution. They not only put on a bunch of lab people saying this is a crock and we told her about it. And she lied about trying to raise money. But they also had a woman who testified this week, Connor, who said, "Uh, well, I was pregnant. Uh, we were kind of concerned, and uh, so I t- took a, a blood test uh, through uh, Theranos, and they came back and said, Oh, my goodness, uh, terrible problems, you better have a miscarriage. She was about to have her miscarriage when she says, I think I'll get a second opinion, goes to uh, a more reputable lab, shall we say they came back yeah. and say, There's absolutely no problem. Oh, my God. So instead of having the abortion she was contemplating, oh my God. Uh, tying this into our abortion story, yeah. uh, she says, now we're going to bring the baby to term, baby's fine. Oh, my so God. So it, it, it starts. Starting out as a pretty strong case for the prosecution, so here's the angle I wanted to pursue. Yeah, a small group of online fans and people who show up at the courthouse praise Elizabeth Holmes. They call they are called homies. Are of like course, uh-huh. of course. They call her girl boss, and she's so charismatic. She's got this deep husky voice. She's attractive. She's blonde. She wear she wore Elizabeth did a black turtleneck just like Steve Jobs, and they're dressed up in uh, black turtlenecks. And I got to tell you, that kind of reminds me of the. Michael Jackson situation, where all these people are showing up, you know, free Michael, free Michael, and they're wearing their white uh, gloves. And, of course, they have no idea whether he was a pedophile or Or not. not. Yeah. Yeah. And so the same thing with, I mean, why do people do this when if they looked into it thoughtfully, they'd almost certainly say, look, either she's guilty or you know there's lots of evidence on both sides I'm going to withhold judgment because I don't know if she's guilty or not because those are the only two really rational conclusions why do they get dressed up and do it is it just a lack of intelligence and critical thinking skills and sociopathic tendencies to not care if another person acted dishonestly and you know induced an abortion because after all you know all I care about is these people that I worship what's your theory I mean you have four PhDs in sociology and psychology Connor what's your like pile my
1: PhD hats on and yeah. uh, <laughs> and say, I of course, no one knows or can't know, and maybe there are people who have studied this phenomena but it's the same, I think, the same thing that causes people to uh, become obsessed with, send letters to, and marry serial killers who are locked up.
0: I think it's this, I don't know, but I think... Why is fame it, so great? Yeah. Hitler was really <laughs> right, famous. Right. Nobody in the right mind would like Hitler. Because yeah. Boy, that guy was a real spellbinder, yeah, yeah. you know. Well, Silver-tongued
1: devil. I think. It, I think it's uh, part of it. I'm sure there's lots of factors. I think part of it is this notion that people love forgiveness. They love a comeback. They love being somebody being exonerated. They love the idea that it's like a conspiracy theory. Things can't really be just horrible, terrible, random, tragic, nasty, brutish, and short. There really has to be a conspiracy mm-hmm. that's it's telling us that the world is so dangerous and scary. There really has to be somebody in the background in charge. There really has to be somebody railroading her because there's no way that you can get all these former, you know, generals and secretaries of state and, and billionaires to sign on to your 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 company if you're really just a scammer who's stealing everybody's money and, and a liar and, and you're you know. Proving uh, or disproving the lie that our system is based on merit and hard work and everybody doing the right thing and that the police will catch the bad guys uh, and that everybody lives out their lives happily ever after. I think that there's this desperate hope that it's all a lie, it's all a fake, it's all a witch hunt because it's so much nicer to think that there are these people, a couple of bad people out there who uh, who you know uh, hunt witches and and uh, try to try to upset the the status quo than it is to really confront the reality that the status quo is not quo, that things are terrible, that our our capitalist system often advantages a, a, a smooth talking liar who can extract billions of dollars and promise the world to people who have deadly medical conditions uh, and endanger people's pregnancies, uh, but they're, you know, really have nothing going on behind uh, uh, closed doors except uh, a Bernie Madoff-style uh, pyramid scheme to steal money. Yeah. That's tragic. That's actually scarier than that she's really innocent, that, that people just hate her because she's rich and famous and yeah. they're jealous. Like, those are more comforting thoughts, and I think that's part of why people become obsessed with these villains and want to redeem them, because redemption feels
0: good. Well, let me run, uh, it makes sense, let me run a theory of, by you, see what you think of it, by a guy named Stephen Banning, he teaches psychology at the University of Nevada. So he actually knows something about anything? Great. Well, he's got an interesting theory, and, oh and as I said, I'd be curious to see if it's in sync with your thought. He said, he thinks people who develop attachments to famous public figures, infamous folks, score high highly in tests of agreeableness. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're kind, they're considerate, they're inclusive when dealing with other people. He said relatively agreeable people tend to be more likely to want to form these parasocial relationships. Mm -hmm. They're people Mm -hmm. who want to get along with others, who see themselves smoothing social interactions. People may see themselves in homes, seeing their own mistakes and hardships uh, in in homes' problems that are playing out in public. He said that the homies may think, you know, if somebody so competent as Elizabeth could be taken advantage of so badly, uh, that might help explain some of the problems i've had with people mm. taking advantage of me as well and he says the women who dress up as her may perceive themselves as helping her in some way and it could be because they believe they're picking up subtle signs yeah. that she is a good person deep down yeah uh, you and think, i mean you think this is a psycho babble you think there's anything no, to what I he think says that makes a lot of sense i mean
1: parasocial relationships happen in lots of different areas and spheres celebrities largely Uh, The people in public eye, um, you know, they're obviously politicians and such, but celebrities put themselves, their personality out there um, in movies and TV. It's not usually their real personality, but they put out a personality as a character or uh, as as some public figure, uh, as a musician or whatever else. And that people get attached to that, form these parasocial relationships. These, you know, not real social relationships. But it's one-sided and and with a fake persona uh, relationship. Uh, but that's very attractive. I mean, there's a reason that Holmes was able to achieve what she achieved. She has it, right? She's got the it factor. She's got charisma. She's convincing. She's attractive. She's draws people in. And the same is true of Tom Cruise. And the same is true of politicians. And they don't all have to be exactly the same kind of attractive. They just have it, whatever it is. And so it makes total sense that she and Michael Jackson and the rest are able to sort of mesmerize yeah. the, the suggestible masses in some portion of, of humanity, which is billions of people by the way, some small portion of that are going to be susceptible, even super susceptible and show
0: up at your courthouse with a turtleneck and and to me personally uh, i can share an experience with you that makes me think that kind of makes sense when i was a kid i was a huge fan of johnny carson who had a a talk show back then it was 90 minutes a night now i wasn't up up every night 90 minutes but i watched a lot of hours of him over a lot of years and i got to the point where i felt looking back on it i knew more about him and his family and his opinions and his quirks yeah. and his views about things than i did about most people i interacted with yeah. you know there are certain family members and friends that you know you really spend time with but i spent more time with him you know watching him 90 minutes than, I a did, night. than i did with Your the vast majority of you know people yeah. in my life or even you know sort of close and proximate yeah. area so when I met him, I didn't meet him, when I was in his presence at Royce Hall at UCLA, when he spoke to uh, UCLA one day, and at the end of his uh, talk, uh, they say, all right, anybody have any questions? And of course, my hand shot up. And I, I go to the microphone, and I Johnny, say... will you be my friend? I say, Johnny, comma, and then I ask a dopey question. Yeah. And at the time, I remember thinking, oh, that's kind of weird. Here I am uh, presumptuously referring to him as Johnny. And I've thought back about that, you know... I was sort of mesmerized by this fake non-existent TV relationship to the point where, you know, he's much older and he's vastly wealthier and he's in a total different world. We're never going to have anything in common. And yet he was Johnny to me instead. Normally I would call somebody Mr. Carson. So I think we all fall into that trap. I mean, I certainly did. I mean, it's a trap in one sense.
1: It's a trap when it's Elizabeth Holmes who's on trial for all these crimes and people are supporting her despite any and all evidence. Alleged crimes. Alleged crimes. She's on trial for them. We don't know if she's actually right. did them but it looks bad. Uh, but then on the other end of the spectrum, we got Mr. Rogers. The whole point of Mr. Rogers is that he will be your friend if you don't have those friends or if you just need an adult who's helpful and supportive and educationally focused and, and uh, you know, empathetic and reaches out to you through the TV screen. And Mr. Rogers, oh my God, yeah, people form some relationships with Mr. Rogers as kids uh, looking through the TV screen. But these aren't bad. These aren't negative. These aren't harmful. They probably were empowered by them. By Your a person sister Claire
0: some, shared with me just the last week that when she was about five, she desperately wanted us to buy her a, a sweater yeah. and a pair of, chi- of uh, Sh- shoes. sneakers mm-hmm. just like Mr. Rogers so that when she got back from school she could do, yeah. She could change just like Mr. Yeah. Rogers.
1: And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a healthy kind of a relationship with a person on TV because it doesn't lead you down a bad road because you might learn yeah, something from this guy. I would have guy. preferred
0: that she take after like John Wayne sure, or, you know, sure, smoke Eleanor, a lot of cigarettes. Eleanor Roosevelt yeah, as opposed to Mr. Rogers. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. When we come back, uh, we are going to talk about um, our third and final topic, namely Gabrielle Petito. Is it racist that we paid attention to this uh, doomed, attractive, young, white woman? Stick with us. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Roy Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So Gabrielle Petito, uh, the young lady who, I guess she was from up in the New York state area, This uh, sure. the alleged creep who was accused of killing her, uh, Richard Laundrie, mm-hmm. uh, is from down in Florida. Sure. And fulfilling the, the promise of, you know, Florida man <laughs> know, doing yeah. something nutty. Um, a, a huge amount of publicity over uh, the, the disappearance. And some people are coming forward and saying, oh, you know what? This is a symptom of a racist society. Uh, If this were uh, an indigenous American woman, if it were uh, a woman of color, we wouldn't be paying attention to this at all. And so what do you think? Uh, Do you think there's anything to that uh, criticism of society in general or or the news media? I think that there is. a woman named Gwen
1: Ifill, who's a PBS anchor more than 20 years ago, coined this phrase, missing white woman syndrome, for this is a syndrome not of the missing white woman or even of society, but really of the media. The way the media treat uh, people who are um, uh, you know, missing in our society, need help in our society, we look at um, – uh, the media over the last 50 years plus, whatever, uh, the sort of whatever you call the modern era of the news media. I mean, even you go back to, you know, William Randolph Hearst and yellow journalism. It's not like it, it was a brand new thing uh, to, to TV or the Internet. But the notion that we really only care about the people in our society uh, who are already at the, the biggest advantages. Right. When we, we, we care about missing white women, and we obsess about them, and we cover them every hour of the day on 24-hour news cycles. Um, Whereas in this period of, say, the last 10 years, uh, uh, one article that discussed this pointed out that you've got 710 Native American women that have gone missing in 10 years, and not a single uh, major news uh, network has run a single story about any of those 710 missing uh, women. And the the question about why is a complicated one. I'm sure there are 50 reasons why. But before we you know get into the why's, we can just try to, like, Look big picture at this. Uh, there was a study uh, done in 2016 of the four biggest uh, news networks, and it showed statistically, yes, there are fewer people uh, um, uh, who are minorities who are who go missing. Or, and, uh, or murdered and get coverage of their murders. But even for the fact that there are fewer of them, and therefore you'd expect fewer stories about them in the news, even for the smaller percentage, they're vastly underrepresented for their percentage of the population. So it's not just a matter of, well, minorities get less coverage because there are not as many of them. It actually is even for the uh, number of uh, folks in society, uh, they get less attention and coverage. And this has real-world world implications, especially with missing uh, people because missing people are on a clock they're not always the victim of murders right they might also they might be out there and they might you know still be able to to save them if law enforcement and the media were paying enough attention to it and it, it in in my mind it, It lines up with so many other issues in our society. The idea that people who are from disadvantaged backgrounds get less attention in terms of, you know, they get less support uh, when they're homeless. Uh, Society cares about them less when they're on unemployment. Uh, The stigma that comes with being homeless or being on, on unemployment or being on public assistance or, you know, having young children who need government assistance or whatever else. We stigmatize people who access, uh, you know, these programs or can't access these programs, but totally should. Uh, we stigmatize them much more when they are from disadvantaged backgrounds and are underprivileged. And it's the, it that tracks so closely to the fact that we don't pay attention when they're in physical, literal danger uh, that, of course, it, it makes total sense to me. And I mean, Now we can get into the whys. I mean, we can start thinking about the whys, but it's sort of a who's who of the usual suspects of like, what is it that makes a media uh, bonanza, right? What makes it makes a media story? It's attractiveness, physical youth and sexy attractiveness. It's uh, the confluence of power and sex and other taboo topics like drugs. You're saying we need better
0: looking criminals.
1: (laughs) We need better looking criminals, exactly. That would bring more
0: attention. Let me ask you this. Is it fair? To call out the hypocrisy of the news media when it comes to the effect of race on reporting of crimes. Mm -hmm. And here's what I mean. On the one hand, some are saying, as we've discussed, the media are racist, favoring whites against people of color. Look at Gabrielle Petito. That's why we're focusing. She's white. But others say the media are also racist in that if a crime involves a white perp committing a crime against a victim who's a person of color, Mm -hmm. that is big news. White cop. Shoots black man all over the news. Whereas, if a black cop shoots a white man, it's a non-story. Right. Black on black crime, absolutely a non-story. Right. Is that a valid criticism of the media? No, I think that um, I think that when you've got, uh, I think
1: that it, it's totally valid to cover certain kinds of crime uh, more than other kinds of crime. It, it is okay because when you. When you are a member of the news media and you look at uh, like a big societal trend, oh, there exists racism in our society. And we look at the fact that a lot of white cops shoot a lot of black uh, alleged perpetrators, often innocent people. That's a big problem in our society that deserves attention and needs remedying. And we should change if we look at how many white people are shot by black cops, if In looking at this in the aggregate, when academics study it and journalists write about it, they discover that that just doesn't happen nearly as much. And certainly by like proportions, we're not worried that it's the manifestation of some larger trend. These are more likely isolated incidents. Well, when you've got something that is a trend and a process and a bad effect has a bad effect on society, big picture, and it, it, you know, it's taking our society in the wrong direction, right? The, the arc of history should bend one way, but it's actually bending the other way. Well, when you have outliers that don't really have anything to do with the, mark, uh, the, the arc of history, it's okay to look at those and say, I don't know what this represents. I don't think it represents anything, any big picture trend or any big picture problem. It's just a tragedy, and it deserves coverage, of course, a murder or, you know, injury or whatever deserves coverage. And the, the victims deserve justice and, and all that. But does it reflect some sort of larger trend like racism persists and even sometimes you can say is worsening in our society that should get more coverage?
0: Because it's a bigger picture. You know, you know, this is discouraging. I, I kind of had high hopes we were going to solve the problem of race in America in this episode. And I'm not. Haven't we? I'm not sure. But, I, th- I thought we were pretty close. Let's say we're on the brink, but okay. I think we're going to need more time than we have okay. left. So, so to be continued next yeah. week. But before we go, Connor, guess the verdict. I can't uh, wait. America's favorite favorite game show. Yeah. Are, are you ready? Hey, born ready. Okay. Uh, you would know you were there. Uh, as always, I sure was. I was in the room. In the room where it happened. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> as everyone knows who's followed this podcast loyally, I, mm-hmm. every week at the end of the podcast, I give Connor the facts of a case, and he guesses who one who lost and he has a very good batting average let's see if he can keep that up here a Montreal woman has sued a funeral home in that fine city, claiming that within three hours after she'd been informed by a doctor she had skin cancer, Oh my God! she got a phone call from the Alfred Delair Funeral Home. Oh, my God. She claims the funeral home somehow got access to her medical records at the Royal Victoria Hospital and decided to get a jump on the competition. Oh, my God. She also sued the hospital for leaking the bad news yeah. to the funeral home. So, wow. So she sues the hospital and the funeral funeral home. Uh, Connor, uh, can you guess the verdict? Who won in this Titanic legal battle? Interesting, interesting. I mean, it de- it depends what smoking gun comes
1: out in the process of discovery, right? I mean, this is what you learn in law school, people, to pull back the curtain a little bit. Uh, you look at this and you go, well, I don't know what happened. The suit should, def- you know, find, help us find out. Is mm-hmm. there a memo, a smoking gun memo that was found, a text message, an email or something from the doctor saying, Bill, I got another one for you and mm-hmm. you better
0: get on it quick because she's definitely a goner. Well, I can't and give you any more facts because, as you know, I get all my stories from The Onion. Right, right, right. if right. it's yeah, not in yeah, The yeah. Onion, yeah. there are no more facts. Exactly,
1: absolutely. So I, I'm going to say that uh, we probably are looking at this from the perspective of no smoking gun emerges, as is often the case. And the question is, is there any way that this sort of thing could happen without... And skin cancer, it's not like you're sick for a long time, usually. It's pretty quick. It's not like they could have heard through the grapevine that she, wasn't, she was not under the weather. Uh, it's much more likely that an actual leak did happen happen i think uh i think she wins i think the i think the nursing home i mean the the funeral home loses you're absolutely right she oh, yeah. won she only won five thousand dollars but i mean that's you know. it's still important it's still a big deal to say somebody is yeah shouldn't shouldn't do
0: this you it's, shouldn't leave it's the principle yeah. of the thing it is the principle and of the even thing. though we and have two, d- two, two different spellings of principle so yeah. everybody knows where we're coming from yeah. all right we're exhausted that's oh, no. it we'll see you next time <laughs> great job. too many lawyers bye-bye